everyone, I'm Nicole. Hello everyone, I'm Earl. We're the Poisers, and this is the Mix Up, episode 18. Episode 18. It's been a long time. <laughs> Shouldn't have kept you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... It um, is December 28th, 2021. Yes, and the end of another crazy year so i wonder what 2022 will have in store for us still in the pandemic still in the pandemic sorry for the hiatus um we were between apartments or places i should say we moved Um, moved to another part of jackson heights still in the hood Mm -hmm. um but um so it's a lot going on a lot of craziness and um moving school for nico i ran the marathon mm-hmm. um work yeah trying to go back to a some sort of a schedule with work and everything else um trying to get some semblance of continuity and organization yeah. and except omicron has other ideas now mm, no. the last time in fact i think that we talked that we spoken to these mics uh delta was the prevailing yeah. variant now <laughs> oh it's omicron so it goes to show how long it's yeah. been um yeah a lot can happen in just a few months uh, yeah so now you know rates of infection are going up drastically especially here in new york um, and other parts of the country thankfully for those who are vaccinated and boosted the hospitalization doesn't seem to be increasing it is however increasing here in new york with children which is the one thing to keep in mind so if you have children who are five and older please 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 get them vaccinated um, and do it quickly Um, because you have folks like us out there who cannot their children are too young to be vaccinated and it is a worry for us on a regular basis about keeping him as safe as possible and um it's the new flu shot so just get your vaccination yeah just 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 do it it's yeah it's the right thing to do yeah um so yeah so with that we are actually not going to be talking about covid today um we did want to cover three very high profile cases that um all sort of happened within these few months um, verdicts that came in um, for the um, trials of the murderers of Ahmaud Arbery the McMichaels and the guy with the really bad haircut that I need to look up his name um, Kyle Rittenhouse and um The most recent one, which actually happened this past week, or last week, I guess, technically. I don't know. What day is it? Wednesday? Tuesday? I don't know. Today's Tuesday. Um, Kim Potter, who um, killed Dante Wright. So, um, I know I said those out of order because the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict came in first, so we can kind of touch on that one um, initially, but... You know, I will just sort of say off the bat that 
I'm not surprised by the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict at all, especially especially if we're cutting away from feelings and what we think is right versus wrong and just look at the law, right? Because when you look at the law and when you look when you look at how laws are written, especially from state to state, they are all very different. Um, and based off of that, like this is not surprising. In my mind, is he guilty of um, of, of of all of this? Yeah, sure. Um, he went there for a reason, and if he was so scared and is crying self defense, why would you put yourself in a situation such as that and go with an automatic weapon? But um, so I'm not at all surprised that he was found not guilty. Um, in the other two cases, I will say I, and we've talked about this, about how we feel a case is going to go, and I'm never fully optimistic that the right thing, the quote-unquote right thing will happen, but I was surprised, especially in this last case of um, the two counts of manslaughter against Kim Potter, um, that that it actually ended up the way it did. Um, I think for Ahmad Arbery's murderers, I think the guilty verdicts on the counts were the more surprising part. Like I had, I had some hope that they would be guilty of something. I just didn't expect it to be all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said. Um, we can jump into Kyle Rittenhouse's case. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess perhaps we provide some backstory on um, Kyle, the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Yeah. Um. So he was the the charges that for the from the trial were first degree intentional homicide, attempted first degree intentional homicide first-degree reckless homicide, first-degree recklessly endangering safety, and first-degree recklessly endangering safety is listed twice here, so maybe something was wrong. But anyway, um, he was found not guilty on all counts. I think a lot of people are were angry about it, which, sure, but I, but but when you and I talked about it, we did talk about certain facets of the trial and Rittenhouse taking the stand and his, um, as you said, his white tears. Yes, ultimate um, choice. Yes, and. Um, the feeling bad, feeling sorry for him, right? And the vigilante justice. Yep. All things that we have seen time and time again in a variety of trials. And the judge, Judge oh, Schroeder, saying, um, you know, sorry, from the I blocked beginning that out. Yeah. That um, we should not consider the actual victims. We shouldn't use the term victims for this case. <laughs> um, so, right then and there, 
that was already a foreshadowing of what to expect mm-hmm. from this trial and what was going to happen and um, how the trial was going to play out. Yeah. So, you know, when I heard that, when I got that piece of information, I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. Um, and throughout the trial, seeing how um, abrasive he was and confrontational he was with the prosecution. Um, although I got to say, this probably wasn't the best prosecution team that they could have um, come up with because there was a lot of holes and a lot of mm. um, missteps that they made um, that in a case like this, you really can't have any kind of uh, pitfalls or anything like that because you already have it going up against you so you really don't want to give them any excuse to um, sort of um, expedite the injustice that we saw like they were already had the car stacked up against them and you had to be virtually perfect and they were not virtually perfect in this case so they got to take some blame for that as well Um, yeah so and just and just also to to reiterate here for those who may have forgotten or not realized what everything was you know at the time Kyle Rittenhouse was 17 I believe right because there was a law in Wisconsin that 18 if you're under 18 you shouldn't be carrying a firearm or something like that which that charge had been dismissed by the judge um so he went so he didn't actually live in the area where this occurred. Um, it was in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And his mother drove him there. From? Where did he live? It was not in Kenosha. Okay, it was let me, let me give you information. Um, so he lived in Illinois. Thank you. Um state lines to go to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, and he also had his friend, his best friend, purchase the gun for him um, because he was of age to do so and he knew that he was not allowed or permitted um, commonly, he wasn't allowed or permitted to have that gun. So he knew exactly um, what he was doing was wrong or against the law uh, because he wouldn't have had to go through subversive methods in order to carry this gun over state lines. And um, it was an AR-15 yes. style rifle. And he said he also was there to administer aid to people who needed it and also to protect uh, property, to help out the cops, um, which <laughs> goes in line with the... Um, sort of vigilante yes. attitude that has been supported and propped up um, throughout American society yeah. of white men deputizing themselves and taking it upon themselves to you know, put on their little cape and say that I'm going to help or put myself as a sheriff or a deputy or sort of certain situations to say that we need to go out there and protect our rights and protect our buildings and blah, blah, blah against these quote-unquote miscreants and things of that nature, which, ironically enough, they are the miscreants themselves um, and doing things that no one has elected them to do 
but within their own head to say that I need to go do this. We need to go do this. This is something that is our inalienable right as quote-unquote patriots to do what Mm -hmm. we need to do to protect this or protect that. Um, And and so that just stayed in line um, essentially with, uh, you know, historical, um, you know, feelings of, you know, certain And I just want to point out that um, what was going on in Kenosha were protests after the shooting of Jacob Blake. So, right, so, like, I I think that that is also very important to point out Mm -hmm. um, what was going on at the time and why Kyle Rittenhouse thought it was necessary to, quote, defend property and or use that terminology defending property and helping the police um who after he shot people killing two and injuring a third right pa- i believe par- was he paralyzed um not sure what his exact injuries were i believe so um but um well Injured. I'll, I'll just say injured. Um, that there was the video of Kyle Rittenhouse walking, still with the gun strapped to him, right around him, with his arms up, his hands up, walking towards police, who then just like go by and don't do anything. And he claimed he was giving himself up, right? So, I mean, that in and of itself, that image sticks with me in particular. Um, just because, I, I, I mean, like, anybody with a brain would know that if that, if Kyle Rittenhouse was another color, that would not be what happens. No, that he, would he would not. shot just right where he stood. I mean, if that's not the definition of white privilege, I don't know what is, honestly, because, you know, a man got a assault rifle strapped on his body, and he's walking towards a crime, walking away from a crime scene towards the cops and military gear and vehicles and all that, and they just let him go by and go back home across state lines, and they don't arrest him until days, the, yeah. days go by. Um, yeah. And so, um, so the other thing, too, was after he was arrested and he was released on bail, I believe, um, he was helped out by folks like Ricky Schroeder, um, (laughs) to, and throwing up white nationalist signs and I think in addition to the white nationalist signs he was wearing a Fries F-E-C-K shirt um, Nico's in the room so he can't see that but um, you know j- just all of the signs <laughs> like all, I just you know If you're doing those things, in my mind, right, you're wearing that shirt, 
you're getting out of prison, jail, you're throwing up signs, hand hand signs that are associated with white nationalism, and you're telling me that you went to a protest to help the police and people's pro- and help protect property and you feared for your life carrying an AR-15 mind you one of the guys he shot hit him with a skateboard and killed hit him with a skateboard and you have an AR-15 and you're on the stand crying your eyes out well I'm sorry let me correct that because he wasn't really crying because I didn't see any water come out of his eyes and I'm supposed to sit here and believe this like you are just dog whistle after dog whistle after dog whistle Um, not to also mention the fact that um, days before a week before or weeks before when he went down to that area some black guys that was coming out of 7-Eleven, I believe, or some convenience store, and he made some kind of gesture uh, suggesting that he wished that he could shoot them or something like that because he made an assumption that they were stealing from the store or something to that effect. Um, so you take all of that into account. And then it's just funny how, you know, we, you know, as a society, news media right-wing conservatives, things like that, who want to go into a black man, black woman's past when they're killed and defame them or, or, or put them down or look for any bit of information that kind of like uh, scars their character or what have you and, and you know, they're bad, they're this and that and kind of suggest that maybe they deserve uh, death and, you know, they would only did this if they would only comply blah 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 you know these kind of narratives and things like that and it's funny how with Kyle Rittenhouse he had some unsavory things in his past that could have come out like the fight that he had with some girl where he was punching some girl like mad times in the face and jumping her with his friends and um, doing all kinds of other stuff that if it was a black kid that would have been front page news but for some reason the judge himself and other people didn't want to put that out there because they thought it would kind of sully his character which they didn't think had anything to do with the trial but when it comes to people of color all of a sudden the character becomes an important part of the trial or um, you know the situation at hand and I just feel like it's funny how it's a double standard when it comes to that, like, we don't want to talk about that. We shouldn't really focus on that. It's funny how all of a sudden we don't focus on certain things when it comes to certain people um, in this country. So there was a lot of double standards. There was a lot of, like, controversial things going on um, within the context of this trial. Um, and it just smelled fishy from the get-go. And also... You know the fact that um, his his mother yeah. was able to drive him across state lines, and she all of a sudden is getting like a, 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 a get out of jail free card. Like nobody's really coming at her for even 
putting him in this position to be able to kill these people and also injure another person um, in a place that he had no business being in the first place. You know, so I, I just find it fascinating that someone could be in danger or feel that they're in danger for a situation that they put themselves in. You know, like you can't go into a volatile environment and you come in with a gun and you ever think that maybe those people feel threatened and maybe that's why they attacked you. Maybe that's why they chased you down the street because I know a lot of times they hear a lot of right-wing people talking about like, oh, good people need to, you know, good people the with a good gun guys with or guns. the good guys mm-hmm. and this and that and stuff like that. So if we have a mass shooter, then somehow we should all be able to come together and attack them and bring them down and stuff like that. And, and from what I've seen, that's what they were doing with Kyle Rittenhouse. They don't know who this guy is. Well, they so see him with a gun. Like, I need to get this gun away from him. I need to get him away from these people. I need to protect myself and these other people. So I'm going to do whatever I can and have any object that's near me and use it as a weapon against this person who I believe is a perpetrator and uh, a potential assailant of these people. And it could have been a much worse situation. I, I also want to point out that originally Kyle Rittenhouse's aspirations were to become a police officer. And I think that that is significant. Because right, the other cases that we will be discussing involve police or former police or the system and prosecutors and district attorneys, right? So when you think about the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse has publicly said he wanted to be a police officer and he, in his mind, he's, I'm going here to help the police because that's what I want to do with my life. Think about that in the context of every single case that we have seen where police officers are involved. George Floyd's murder, Tamir Rice, um, Dante Wright, the the shooting of Jacob Blake, um, Breonna Taylor, any of those. The, the common thread, besides it being officer-involved shootings, is the fact that those officers also work within the very system that needs to be disrupted, right? Because officer accounts, the police reports, everything else are are held to such a high standard and off police officers are used in trials, right? They give their testimony, all of these things. So I think it's significant to understand that you know, there are police who who were a Kyle Rittenhouse, right? Like in their youth like the, I'm not and you know come at me whatever with the not all cops are bad narrative but you know I find it really hard to to extricate his actions with police actions from police actions from police so thank you from police actions based off of what I continue to see It goes to show that he would feel comfortable 
Right. Um, it says a lot that he would feel comfortable going to another state and going all that way out of his way to be joined up with the police. That mm-hmm. goes to show that his mindset mm-hmm. he felt was aligned with the police mindset. And and he he was Mind recently police. at a conservative um, something or other. I don't know what it was. Something in Arizona, and I think. It go, and it says a lot also that people like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor and mm, people like Lauren that Boebert, would, yeah. would feel um, comfortable with someone like him that they can feel that they can wrap their arms around. So yeah. it's all a through line, basically. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, he feels comfortable believing that the police would feel comfortable with him. Um his political alignments and his mindset and his psychological makeup and in turn politicians such as the ones that I mentioned, mm-hmm. these white wing people would feel comfortable with him it so it all connects because, and like, because and he's the quote good guy with the gun to them right and to himself and to others on the right They're, he, Kyle Rittenhouse was a good guy with a gun mm-hmm. and he went to this rally whatever was for the what was it called it was some um some conservative conference that he was at very recently and he said to the crowd quote my trial was an example of them trying to come after our second amendment rights our right to defend ourselves and trying to take our weapons trying to take his weapons I guess he felt like his trial was really about taking away his guns which I mean that's but dude you shouldn't reach. have had it in the first place that's a reach first you of had all, someone else buy it for you because you couldn't it shouldn't buy have been it. your gun because you were 17 at the time mm-hmm. so that's a moot point right there so nice try but that doesn't even make sense on his face yeah. The fact that you even bring that up, see, that's the thing. Like they're stretching so hard. Yeah. To align with these talking points, it it, it doesn't even make sense. Uh-huh. It doesn't even make it doesn't even fit. They're trying to fit, um, a circle into a square peg, like a square peg into a, a, a circle, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. But, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> it it just doesn't even make sense. Like that don't even. That's just dumb. That's just dumb. I agree. Like, I'm just gonna call it for what it is. Like. Yeah. You know, they just trying to reach and stretch the second amendment thing and blah blah blah. blah. But they don't but but we have That's school shootings like every other week in this country. And, and, and you know, we got violence in inner cities and urban yes. now and see them yeah. you know talking about second amendments and they only talk about second amendments in certain mm-hmm. specific cases. Yes. Like they never bring it up in in every single case like because they know that they will be shot down. No pun yeah. intended. But, like, it, 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 don't even, it doesn't even make sense. Like, mm-hmm. it's utterly ridiculous. Like, they're just trying way too hard. Way, way too hard. And you so, know, yeah. Um, it's just all started with an overzealous um, privilege entitled white boy who felt like he should a hero um, and do what he must which was his I guess God given right to go 
and um, show these people that they need not be protesting um, and you know doing what's right and what we want to talk about constitution is our constitutional right to go protest yes. and also to protest without any disturbance yes. especially for somebody who's going over there to mm-hmm. um, feel like they need to go uh, in the midst with a weapon um, right. to, to threaten them you know even if uh, you know say you didn't shoot anybody you shouldn't be there with a weapon in the first place I don't care if anything didn't go down that night there's no reason to be showing out with an AR-15 a, a desert eagle a bazooka a little gun a big gun whatever so I ain't trying to hear that yeah so we're gonna jump to Travis McMichael Gregory McMichael and William Bryan the three men who were found guilty of murder and other charges um, for shooting and killing Ahmad Arbery, um, and this was in Georgia. So I believe this was the first case that included the hate crime, wasn't it? Um, in Georgia, because they didn't have the hate crime law there. But either way, um, they all. They face sentences of up to life in prison, and sentencing is has not happened yet. Um, but you know, I think I think the 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 pieces of this case really that people need to remember, and I had to remind a lot of people of. Thank you, Nico. Thank you. Thank you. Once again. Okay, that's better. Thank you. Um, sorry, folks. <laughs> there was a cover-up from the jump from when this happened that had the video that everyone has seen or heard about, had that video not come out, there would have been no trial. Because all of those men were walking free for weeks weeks and I really need to commend and this shouldn't be the case but Ahmaud Arbery's family fought so so hard showed up every single day to force the legal system to force the police to force anybody who was willing to listen to them into arrests and getting more information and ultimately leading to a trial. Now, you know, again, it should not be incumbent upon the family to have to do all of the things that are supposed to be done from the start, but they recognized that there were a lot of inconsistencies and they recognized that there was a lot of cover-up going on that they had to do something about it because they knew his story would not be told in the right way if they did not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and also, um, let's not forget that um, the 
first of all, it was the 74 days, so mm-hmm. let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. Um, which is a very, very long time. That is time. ridiculous, yes. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, there was uh, someone by the name of Jackie Johnson, who mm-hmm. is now facing criminal charges yep. uh, for showing favoritism. Yep. Um, she was the local prosecutor yes. who initially got the case. And the other person is uh, Georgie Barnhill, who was, um, you know, he quietly directed local police um, that the killer's conduct was, quote unquote, perfectly legal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, these people kind of illustrate and spotlight the fact that these people are part of the system in which we've been trying to dismantle and we've been talking Mm -hmm. about is entrenched in the American legal system, judicial system, the total makeup, especially when it comes to treatment or mistreatment of black people, Mm -hmm. um, that we are seeing lesser than, that we don't need to be paid attention to even in um, an egregious case like this yeah. where it's obvious that this man was murdered and hunted and lynched mm. in broad daylight um, that we need not go to the fullest extent of the law um, in order to see justice be met um, and restitution for his family um, so this is just an insidious and seedy case and it just um, stunk outright but it just kind of goes to show and pretty much validates what black people have been telling the public at large how we are treated and how we are seen um, as not being worthy of (coughs) having the um the levers of justice work for us right. and go above and beyond to see that we are met with um, decency, kindness, um, respect, respect, and this right here just says to me that America mm. is essentially like the same song, right, but like remixed but essentially you got the same producers. America with the three Ks. Got the same <laughs> got the same ARs, got the same singing, but it's just like the beat might be a little different. Um the downbeat might be a little different, but it's essentially the same song, same needle on the record. Yeah. Um and it constantly scratches for black people. And it just repeats itself over and over and over again. Um and you know, it's it's just it's not just the a case, racism is not just a case of individual acts and things like that. It's a thing where the system itself it runs on itself and it just goes to show that even without certain people in these seats that the next person after that person, the next person after that person will be able to operate with that system in place because that's the way it was meant to be and it was meant to last a very long time Um, and there are certain views of black people and there are certain um, things that people think that we should be treated as or have certain 
preconceived notions of how black people are and so maybe that these people were in the right in suspecting that he could have been a burglar or a robber up to yeah. no good and he shouldn't have been in this neighborhood in the first place and things of that nature and so here we go again so so, so yeah to to that just to that point right so Ahmad Arbery was jogging through the neighborhood through the quote-unquote white part right of the area and there was a home I think on that street it was or something in within that neighborhood that was empty it was it was owned but it was empty this was Glynn County and in Georgia and so the home there was no one living in it but the um the owner of the property had said they had had some issues with break-ins and whatever and they had put in a um like security cameras and all of that and they would call the police if someone broke in and kind of handle it that way because the McMichaels had said that the reason why they were trolling around was because they were going to perform a citizen's arrest and handle you know what was going on in their neighborhood and the break-ins and why would someone be running in that neighborhood who didn't belong there right so um they confronted they chased they chased they confronted Ahmad Arbery as he was running through the neighborhood and he was consistently running away from them because they were screaming at him and they had guns and I mean I would run away from people who had guns pointed at me um and and so the, the other part of it too right so there's that piece and the owner of the property that has repeatedly been broken into had testified and said like we never asked anybody we never asked the McMichaels to do anything we never said keep an eye on our house we never said anything we had security cameras and we would just call the police when necessary like it we didn't need somebody there to do anything right so so there's that piece to to this whole idea of like citizens arrest and we're defending the neighborhood where does that sound familiar hmm. um right Just and another case of white men deputizing themselves well and, and one of them and the father was a former police officer which is how the other stuff ties in with the pro the initial prosecutor because she knew him because of his work with the police because right what did i say before the police and the and the prosecutors district attorneys and whoever are always linked together because cops testify and all of that so so there was that part of the cover-up too is the fact that she was like you're fine like go home just you're fine don't worry about it fine um The third person, Brian, was the one who filmed the entire thing. And they filmed it because they thought, like, this is going to be proof of our citizens' arrest and, like, all the good that we did in the community. And we're going to put it on tape. Mm-hmm. And that backfired. And that backfired. And once this finally i think they ended up going through like three prosecutors for this they they landed on like a third or fourth one whatever it was because of all of this cover up and 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 everything else um 
But when the jury was selected, it was 11 white people and one black person. And I remember it was a very, you know, it was in the news because people were like, how is this going to be a fair trial when there's 11 white people and one black person on this jury because the defense was was not picking anyone of color mm-hmm. to be on this jersey, jur- jury. Right. But legally, there was nothing the judge could do because he did rec- the judge did recognize it, but mm-hmm. he said, this is what the law is. I, while I can say, yeah, this doesn't seem fair, I can't change that. Right. And also keep in mind that the um, defense attorney oh, that guy. Um, you know made the reference to um, the black pastors coming into oh, yes, the courtroom Reverend and Al Sharpton was there so called intimidating the uh, defendants yeah. at trial and was making a plea to the judge to have the trial shut down or canceled or thrown out, the case thrown out, something like that, something to that effect, where he was trying to say that, um, and it's just funny that... Or intimidating the jury, right? He, yeah, intimidating the jury, and he made a specific reference to black pastors and black reverends, like... It was other people of other races and ethnicities that were there as yeah. well, but it's just funny that he decided to point out um, uh, those people in in, in particular, it, including you know a low hanging fruit like uh, mm-hmm. Reverend Al Sharpton, um, and the and the other counsel, defense counsel, in her closing argument was it in her closing arguments when she commented about like dirty feet yeah that Ahmad Aubrey had do- dirty toenails or something like that and tried to make the connection between his killing and his hygiene um, which uh, is a disgusting despicable yes. racist trope yes um, trying to thrust the blame for black man's death on himself yeah. say that he was uh you know he he was you know maybe uh more in tune with a beast or a monster mm-hmm. or something like that trying to dehumanize him, him. as yeah. much as possible um because when you think of that you know you think of somebody almost less than human in um, front of, and his family is in that you know, room and it's just like that it, like a oof. like like some kind of beast that was on a run that they were just hunting down mm-hmm. and they were they had every right to you know do right. so to protect their livelihood their neighborhood yep. um their where their well-being um so you know wouldn't you kill somebody with dirty toenails with that hygiene with that ilk um you know so that was quite a reach and um it was just uh uncalled for unprofessional and downright racist so let's just call it what it is yes um but you know i will also say the 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 major piece to this like when you when you look at it video evidence is really at the end of the day what in my mind brought 
this verdict. Yeah, it's, like once again, if it wasn't for if the it video, wasn't for video, if it wasn't for protests, if it wasn't for people, where would we even be? Being adamant about having justice met and um, having at least the first stages of of the most basic of basic things to bring this to trial and actually arrest these people, detain them, like. Mm-hmm. To have them just walk free and go about their lives as if nothing ever happened, like, you know, this is just goes to show, like, video is our best friend, is a black person's best friend, essentially, because if it wasn't for that, because it's like years and years, we've been telling these stories, we've been saying, yeah, this is what goes on in our neighborhoods, this is what goes on in our lives, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we confront, um, people of authority when we confront other white people in other neighborhoods or in even in our neighborhoods um things like that like it just goes on deaf ears and it we not ever believed um and sometimes the only time we ever believes if is beca- oh, as if a white person yeah. is our spokesperson yeah. you know like if we speaking for ourselves and we speaking for ourselves like oh yeah whatever blah 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 you're just pulling the race car boom 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 this and that but the race cars wouldn't have to be pulled if y'all didn't if build the didn't. decks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all the one that dealt it. And I, you know, and I, I think about that a lot. And I think about, you know, the video evidence and how important it is, unfortunately, how important it is in cases. And I have found myself in situations where something isn't looking right. Right. I think I told you about I was when I was running in the park in Central Park and there were teenage they were teenagers. Um I don't think they were eighteen yet, really. Um just hanging out and there was a cop car driving through because you know they always drive through the park and the cop car stopped. And I remember I stopped running and I looked and I went to the side and I remember taking out my phone in preparation to potentially record something because in my mind I'm like someone these kids need somebody to document this just in case Mm -hmm. and as a mother I thought about that and said if this if this was my kid I would want someone to do the same thing and nothing happened the cops went on their way and I made sure to wait until the cops drove away but you know like I'm standing there and I'm like here I am this white woman standing here waiting to record potential nefarious activity by the NYPD in Central Park when it comes to three black teenagers right and I'm like this is where we are this is where we've been and this is yes this is where we've been and you know it's just it shouldn't be where we have been or where we are or where we continue to go because I think you know I I think the other thing is and you said this before like this isn't these these trials are happening and these verdicts are coming in and yeah like I'm happy that they were found guilty and potentially spending the rest of their lives in jail as they should but at the same time, these things keep happening. 
right? It's not like these trials are happening, these murders are happening, and, like, it's stopping. It's not stopping. It's not getting better. We don't have the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed. We don't have anti-lynching legislation passed. We don't have any of these things. Still fighting over voting. Right. Voting the, rights. The John Lewis, John Lewis voting rights. Like, none of this has passed or happened. And, and you know, I shake my head at that consistently because I'm just like, what in the world mm-hmm. are we doing? Yeah, these are things that, you know. Like it seems said, basic. Like, seems yeah, basic to seems me. basic. Mm-hmm. But these are things that we have to continuously, yes. as black people especially, have to continuously fight for. Like, it's not a thing where other people, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to take into account, like, here in America, white people, even other ethnicities or other nationalities, other races, whatever, take certain things for granted because certain things are just the default. Like, it just is. Like, you can just go somewhere and not have to worry about somebody taking away your rights to vote. You can essentially not worry about the effects of gerrymandering. Um, You can go somewhere, go to a job, and not have to worry about whether or not somebody Mm -hmm. will respect your hair type and if you can work Mm -hmm. somewhere. You can go into a car and drive and not have to look over your shoulder to wonder if a cop is going to stop you and if you have to make sure that your hands are on 10 and 2 and make sure that you aren't looking intimidating or threatening and anything like that to put yourself in danger to make sure that you can go to your family that night or that day. Um, you know, you can go to a store not have to worry about somebody seeing you as suspicious and automatically think that you're there to steal something. You can go um, and borrow some money um, and, and not have to worry about the bank's turning you down um you know you can have your your house um appraised at uh, a reasonable price and not have to worry about maybe bringing in a white person to have it appraised at a higher price or a bigger value um you know things like that like these aren't things that you got to worry about like you don't go through life thinking about that you know but as, as as an individual of color these are things that we worry about and have to be concerned about because it's etched into the system and it's built in and it has been for years and years and these things that we have to fight constantly fight against um and also like voting and you know mm-hmm. uh, uh protection against um police brutality and just right. like basic rights and things like that when we face authority or conf- confront confronted with certain things like we have to constantly mm-hmm. face this thing two three four years of legislation and this and that mm-hmm. have it put on the books and all this type of stuff like I, you know we ain't got to worry about you know certain people ain't got to worry about putting in amendments just to make sure you have these basic rights like these are things that in the constitution amend, had to have amendments like right. there's an amendment for voting there's a, an amendment to have slavery not be legal in this country except when you are in in prison. So even then there's a still a there's little still loophole a of to say that yeah. we can still implement slavery. Just make sure you don't get arrested. Let's just make sure you don't put yourself in prison, which we know that 
uh, disproportionately black people are, uh, are are being thrust in jail, even on like the smallest, most minuscule, ridiculous charges. So there's this constant need um, and effort to subjugate black people and oppress black people and put them in some kind of quasi-slavery. Um, you know, so like, you know, and we need amendments to be citizens of this United States of America. So it's like, you know, all this just comes together and just, you know, ties together and it's like everything is connected and it's like things don't just happen under the sun just because. Like, these things have been sprouting and being cultivated for years and years and years. And people got to open their eyes and see that's what it's been and that's what it always will be. And we got to constantly be fighting just to make sure that we just get our head even above water. You know what I'm saying? So. And I know I know we wanted to also talk about Kim Potter and, mm-hmm. and Dante Wright, but I, I wanted to add this to what you were saying. So I've, I heard something recently where it was a father... It was a father talking about how he has to, and this is something I've heard before, this isn't new, but how he has to, it's like, we have to teach our children how to interact in society with police and authority figures, but nobody is changed, like, it should, it shouldn't be that way, it should be the other way around, right? It's like, why do I have to teach my child mm-hmm. how to behave around a police officer because mm. my child is black versus right. the police actually not just killing my child? Right, and the irony is the fact that police are always talking about how dangerous their job is and people need to really understand how tough it is to be a police officer and blah, 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 and things like that. Like, hello, how tough is it to be a black person in this country? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Especially when encountering or coming face-to-face with a police officer. Like, even when we conform, like, there's still many cases in which when we do the right thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, we still end up brutalized, still end up denigrated, still end up without dignity on the floor. Even if we're not killed, we're still injured psychologically and we're injured physically. So it's like, you know... How many times have like young black boys and girls have come out of a situation scarred for life yeah. now, and then totally scared shitless when they see a police person, even if they hear a police siren, you know, because they may have had a confrontation um, with police yes. or their parents or somebody they know that's very close to them. They've mm-hmm. seen certain things and witnessed things where police have been like unnecessarily aggressive. And totally brutal towards them. So it's like, it's not just about if that person lived or if that person died, but it just goes so much more beyond that. You know, just like about human dignity and treating people with respect. And there's a lot of times where police don't feel they have to live up to those standards because they know they're protected by um, government. They know they're mm-hmm. protected by public opinion. They know they're protected by the union. Um and they can do no wrong in no one's eyes. And when you weaponize um, an institution like that, it just leads to very not good situations because yeah. they feel like they just have the license, the unmitigated license just to do anything that they can and anything that they want. And we just keep feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. And so that's what happens. And I can't really, we can't act surprised at 
you know these cases where certain cities police cases uh shootings go up and you know um talks of uh, racism and brutality and what they all say in their chat lines and things like that like this this is what happens you, mm-hmm. you just you know what i'm saying so we can't can't be shocked and we're in denial total denial all the time and we just sweep it under the rug and it just grows and grows and grows and this is where we are you know even if i was a black police officer once i'm out of those clothing that 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 uniform i'm still gonna be a black man and if i confront another cop that happens to be in uniform he's not gonna see me as his quote-unquote blue brethren he's gonna see me as a black man you know so um this whole thing about blue lives matter blue is a thing that you can easily take off i can't take off black i can't take a day off from being black i can't retire from being black i can't get a pension for being black so um blue lives matter is a is a non-starter it's not even a thing you know so um you don't hear firemen going red lives matter or, <laughs> you know ambulance going whatever their colors are and military going green lives matter and all that that's not even a thing that doesn't even make sense you know it's just basically um a kickback against rights for black people because you know anytime we start to uh speak up for ourselves aggressively or or assert ourselves and put ourselves first and all of a sudden people want to um go against that and now all of a sudden there's all lives matter and black and blue lives matter and things like that because it's funny how that never started until we started saying black lives matter like if you if you want to do something like at least be creative at least be original um but let's move on to um the latest kim kim potter Potter. yeah um um, because i know we're gonna we're going a little long but um, I do, did want to bring this one up because these are the, the big three mm-hmm. um, of the moment. So Kim Potter was a former uh, Minnesota officer. She drew her handgun instead of her taser during a traffic stop where she um, fatally shot Dante Wright. And she was found guilty of two counts of manslaughter, first and second degree. So, there were a lot of things in this in this one. This one I was not as hopeful about um, for for a number of reasons. And one, you know, a lot of times, and I think it was the New York Times that had an article about this maybe earlier in the month or last month about um, the use of. I thought my I felt my life was in danger mm-hmm. when you're police and you're testifying. Right. I thought my life was in I thought I was in danger. I was scared. I was whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that that was going to play a very large role in this case because Dante Wright was driving. He was in the car. Um, he was pulled over for like expired tags or something, which opened up a whole conversation about traffic stops and what are we doing and why are we doing them and why are police even doing these and 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 the in the number um of white people pulled over for infractions and the number of black people pulled over for these same infractions and and we could have a whole podcast on that and 
more Corazon. Um, but so so there is all there is also video from this one because it comes from the body cam footage um, of Kim Potter, and she tells him she's gonna tase him. She reaches down, yells taser, 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 but instead she has her gun in her hand and shoots him and kills him. Now, there's a lot of discussion about this because the taser is bright yellow, it's plastic, it is not as heavy as a gun is, and there's all these discussions about if you are a 26-year member of the police force, how do you even confuse those two? Um, How do you pick that up and not feel the weight difference and notice the color difference and one is on your dominant side and one is not on your, is on your non-dominant side, right? Your weapon is usually on your dominant side because, Mm -hmm. right, you want more control over your gun or your taser is usually on the non-dominant side. So, theoretically, someone with 26 years of service should be able to do this job without messing that up and killing someone in the process. And so I think the there was a part of the trial where they tried to argue that their life was jeopardized because Dante Wright was in the car and the officer with Kim Potter was reaching in to try to um, move the, the car out of gear. I guess it was in, maybe it was in, dr- something, because yeah. he clearly was trying going to try to get away. Which Right, like... Because in that Times article, right, in the Times article, it says if you are actually putting yourself in that danger in the first place and then using that as cause, right, that is a whole thing. So, um, right. Putting yourself in danger. And then, then, right, saying, well, the car is a weapon, therefore I was in danger. I may have been grabbing to put the car in park, but but it's dangerous, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, in the video afterwards, she re- she realizes that she actually shot him, and she gets, she's crying, she's upset, and she says, I'm going to jail. I, I shot him. Um, and so, when, in this trial, when the, um, when the verdict was read and she was found guilty, she also didn't have any sort of emotion. And I don't know, you know, I tend to not like to judge that because sometimes people process these things very differently than, like, I would. But but when you're in this situation and, like, you're found guilty of this and you don't show any emotion but you also testified on your behalf and said you were sorry that it happened but you don't actually show anything from it. I don't know. That it comes off as weird to me. But Also, after, in the video, she also was more concerned with going to prison and um, shooting she Dante Wright. Because um, she said, I think, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but she was like, oh my God, I'm going to prison. Yeah. Um, so for me, that shows that you didn't really have any genuine concern for the life of the man's, man's you know, for his life that he just... Uh, Took away. So suddenly uh, taken. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, um, let's also 
stress the fact that even if she would have used the taser, it still would have been a dangerous uh, procedure. Because he was behind the wheel. He was of behind the, car. the wheel, and you <laughs> yeah. shot him in the chest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he would have been debilitated. Um, yeah. And, and there was a passenger in the car. Right, incapacitated, and he would have swerved and mm-hmm. potentially hit somebody else. So y'all saying that he mm-hmm. could have put other people in danger, but right. you would have been the one who facilitated that danger by shooting him, yeah. either with a taser or a gun. They, you know, I know in many precincts training, they say just let them go, and if anything, call for backup, and then you can chase them down or get them later you got their license information mm-hmm. you got all the information you need so at the very least you can get them home mm-hmm. you know where they go you can track them down you have all this technology and things like that spending all this money in this technology they ask for all this money you get funded all this money but yet you're not willing to use it at that very moment where it can actually save lives so whether or not, and also I'd like to stress that whether or not someone conformed is not a gateway, should not be a gateway for death. Mm-hmm. It should not, you should be able to detain this person and if they did any wrong or anything of that nature, they should still be able to live to face a judge, to face jury of their peers and things of that nature. All things in which we stress in the Constitution, they should mm-hmm. be able to do that. But mm-hmm. we've become such a society, so we're almost like macabre in the fact that, like, we try to find any excuse, any reason why this person should have died. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be that way. Like, I, I, as a citizen, don't have the same standards as a cop. Like, if I was a citizen, a regular citizen, and... I was in the same situation and then that person ended up dead. Right. I can understand because I don't have certain rules. I don't have certain standards. Protections. I don't have certain right. procedures. <laughs> I don't have certain policies or regulations yeah. in which I have to follow. I'm just going by my basic human instinct mm-hmm. or however I was raised or however I think in the streets or whatever. Yep. But you was a cop. You need to set all that aside or retire from being a cop. You can't just do these things and say, well, I was scared or I was threatened. Maybe you shouldn't be a cop. I wouldn't trust somebody to be a doctor if they're, especially a surgeon, if their hands hands were always shaking. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't expect someone to be my defense attorney if they weren't sure of themselves or knew the law or knew certain cases from the past or had great argumentative skills or debating skills or convincing skills or what have you. You can't be my lawyer. You can't even be in basketball if you're you know you're not able to shoot from you know 15 Mm -hmm. feet or whatever you know Ben Simmons that's why I don't want him for the Knicks (laughs) but like you know it's just certain standards and certain things basic things that you should be able to do to hold certain jobs to excel at your job Mm -hmm. so whether or not something is hard whether it's difficult I understand it if that's the case don't have that job. That's why I'm not a doctor. That's why I'm not a police officer. So, I'm not a fireman. I know my limits. So you should know yours. In this case, they also um, had use of force experts testify mm-hmm. and basically say that her 
her even going to use the taser in this situation was not yeah, the right thing yeah. to do, right? It was inappropriate. Was it was against the rules. It was whatever, yeah. right? So, so we're you know she was she was batting a thousand. Um, but I you know and again and again and again and again, I will say that testimony like that because there was similar testimony in the Chauvin trial. Um, talking about what he did and his use of force and how it was inappropriate and wrong and, and all of those things, right? Like, So I think it is impor- important to also recognize that there are facets of this, um, of, of policing, that are coming under greater scrutiny. They've been under scrutiny, but I think having it publicly out there like this mm-hmm. also points to the wholesale changes needed mm-hmm. and the understanding of use of force and when we need to use force or not use force or whatever it is. Um, so I just I just wanted to, to point that part out that there was also testimony related to her use of force in this in this case. Um, you know and, and Keith Ellison who is the prosecutor who was also the prosecutor in the Chauvin trial, had said, this is accountability. Not this justice. is not justice, mm-hmm. because justice is having not, is Dante Wright not being dead and him being alive mm-hmm. and with his family today. This is accountability. And so I will remind the folks listening who think or want to say it's justice, I fully understand why we want to say that. It's just but us. But it is... Mm, but it is not. It is accountability. It is being held accountable for your actions, mm-hmm. your incorrect actions. Mm-hmm. And there will not actually be justice until these things do not happen right. anymore. Which goes back to the systems at hand in which we have to constantly face and, um, you know, confront. And we just always have to keep our foot on the gas Um, because you know if we leave these people to their own devices we know nothing's going to happen because you know the words are just words on paper and without people they mean absolutely nothing Um, and there's certain people in this country who have held the United States on trial put the United States on trial and said you must live up to to the words that you've put on paper Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and show us that you are a true democracy mm-hmm. um, because you have advertised it as such and you have tried to sweep other things under the rug and we won't allow you to do so. And you should want to be held to those standards if you want to be the greatest country on earth. Um, you can't just say it, but you got to be it. And that's what we about. And, um, you know, that, that that's where it's got to start. That's where it's going to end. And, um, you know, so going forward, we hope that, you know, we can have some hope or we would like to believe that um, this is a starting point for bringing more accountability. Um, but it can't just be it can't just be an individual thing. It has to be an altogether 
uh, systemic change. It can't just be individual and just like this case here, this case there, this case there. Like, you know, it has to be from the bottom to the top. Prosecution, like elected judges, all this type of stuff, local officials, things like that, district attorneys, um, all these type of people and levels of power have to be um, changed and switched up. So it's a long way to go, but, you know, it's a start, I guess, question mark. Um, But, you know, this is where we're at, and, you know, we got a long way to go. Yeah. So hopefully Mm -hmm. in my lifetime, if not my lifetime, my son's lifetime, Mm. um, he gets to be my age, and hopefully he'll see a drastic change or experience drastic changes as far as race relations here in this country. The topic, the monster under the bed that nobody wants to confront. Yep. Yeah. Is uh Yeah. So we'll see. We will. Um so yeah. Good to be back. <sighs> yep. We'll try to we'll try to do this more regularly, not let this go as long again. Um, but thanks for joining us today. I am Nicole. Thank you, thank you. I'm Earl. We're the Poisers. You've been listening to the mix up. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Peace. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah, that too.